Hi, guys. I am so excited to have Val on the podcast today. Val, could you introduce yourself to everyone who's listening in? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I am Val, and I actually was originally a wedding photographer, ended up switching over to becoming a business coach for female creatives with a little bit of hot takes and a little bit of unconventional, but like really intentional life-centered and life-giving business strategies. I've actually been in business for over 10 years. So I started my business in college. In short, I'm really about heart over hustle, working smarter, not harder, and really building your business around your life and not letting that take over your life the other way. So somewhere along the way in building my wedding photography business, I realized that it just really wasn't lighting me up and it wasn't using a lot of my strengths. And so I ended up burning out a lot and ultimately feeling pretty unfulfilled. So when I realized that business coaching was a thing from the, literally from the very first session that I had, I knew, okay, this is it. This is what I was created to do. And so it's just, it's just a testament to the fact that finding your sweet spot in work really does make all the difference. Coaching is just a part of who I am. I can't really turn it off. It just ekes out of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when it comes to outside of business though, I'm married to Mark. We met in college. So we've been married over 10 years and we have two um, adorable, fun, also exhausting toddlers, (laughs) Aaliyah (laughs) and Ivy. And we live just a really not glamorous, modest life, but doing our best to love and serve the people that God puts in our path. I currently coach women through four and five month really high touch small group programs as well as one-on-one. And it's, it's really just a huge privilege and an honor to walk alongside women who are really actually creative and so smart and heart led. Like that's Mm -hmm. really the, the kicker for me. And I just help them work to build that intentional business that is healthy around their life. Yeah. I love that. Around when did you kind of make that transition into coaching and out of wedding photography? I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So I was, I think around the seven year mark. So I had started doing some education. I did like a wedding workshop and did Mm -hmm. a little bit of mentoring. I actually had a friend in the industry who we did some mentoring together. So we led a workshop together. That was probably around the six five or six year mark when I started Mm -hmm. doing that. And then I think at seven, at seven or eight years, that's when I really pivoted into coaching. Okay. Gotcha. And how do you help your clients define what a healthy business looks like to them? Yeah. Let's start with that. Yeah. Good question. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it really comes down to actually taking a step back and removing all of the societal expectations that we have. And sometimes they're expectations we put on ourselves. It's someone's not necessarily saying it, but we see other people's life or business, or at least we see the, you know, the highlight reel, Yeah. (laughs) Um, but taking a step back from that and actually talking about, okay, what do you actually want your life to look like? What, what does it look in the day to day? How much time are you actually spending with your kids or with your family or with your dog or whoever those important people are to you? And And when people actually step back and remove all of that, they often start to realize that they're doing way more in their business than they actually want to be doing. And they're often doing a lot of things in their work time that doesn't even light them up. Mm -hmm. So 
we scale back, we look at what they want their life to look like. And then we like put in the puzzle pieces around that, that that's going to support that lifestyle. And it, it's not like a, a simple, quick yeah. pivot. Mm-hmm. Take <laughs> some time. That, yeah. It takes some time and, and you don't get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. It takes a couple of years usually to really feel like, you know, what healthy business feels like for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think everything just that shift in perspective really changes everything. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I know that I've asked this to a couple of other people that have been on the podcast, but I wanted to ask you personally, if there are any boundaries that you have in place within your own business to kind of like maintain that like really healthy balance for yourself. Yeah. I think one of the biggest boundaries has been saying no. And I know people talk about saying no a lot, but really saying no from the perspective of this is what I want my life to look like. And so I'm not going to take that client who can't work within my business hours. And for me, that's pretty restrictive. I'm only working two days a week right now. And that means I have to miss out on some, some people, but doing that allows space for the right people to come, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a really big one, but also i and this has been a struggle for me and I'm still like working through it, but really getting detached from my phone. And so Mm. sometimes over the weekend, I need to delete the Instagram app because Mm -hmm. it's just like muscle memory and you can just become really obsessed with your business, even when you don't want to. It's crazy to me that I teach this. I've lived through it for so many years and yet I am still struggling with that. Yeah. No, it happens to all of us too. I recently logged back into my personal account and was like over the weekend and not during my off or not during my business hours and office hours, I'm going to be logged into my personal account, you know, and that's it. Cause I, I can totally agree with the default of just, you know, like scrolling through. And I like to think that I'm like an intentional person with my time. And then you kind of still fall prey to the habit sometimes if you're not like keeping them in check. So mm-hmm. I can totally relate yeah. with that one. Still working yeah. through it. And I think too, I think it's really hard when you really care about people and you are intentional in things mm-hmm. like scrolling. It's hard to find when is that turning to just like passive consumption and mm-hmm. leading into comparison. Mm-hmm. And at the point when you start to not feel so great about yourself, you know, learning to recognize that internally, I think is a skill that we have to like really work on and keep the skill. It's, it's like a muscle. You have to keep it active <laughs> to really come out of that. And yeah, so I'm very big on boundaries. There's actually a lot of other boundaries that I have, especially closing, closing the laptop. And I really, really rarely work on weekends mm-hmm. or evenings. So it's really pretty much just seasons of hustle that I do everything I can to limit and get rid of seasons of hustle as much as possible because I actually truly usually get sick. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Usually my body is the first, like if I get sick, that's the first indication that I've been pushing a little too hard. Like I might not even like mentally like catch it or be as aware of it until I do get sick or I start to feel sick. And then I look back and I'm like, oh yes, I have been go, go, go for a while. My body like either like 
either I get sick or I start sleeping a lot because my body is like trying to compensate and like rest. So that's actually, I, I feel like nobody has mentioned that on the podcast yet. Of Usually that's a little bit of a sign of, you know, you've been pushing a little hard. It might be time to like give your body a bit of a rest and you can come back yeah. healthier and stronger too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's really sad how I think every big launch I have done, I have gotten sick during it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. on a mission mm-hmm. to do a launch and not get sick. What do you think you're going to change for the next launch to see if you can avoid that? So I am working currently, I'm in, I mean, I'm in the middle of a launch right now and I am, every launch is getting a little bit better, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mm-hmm. haven't quite arrived to where I want to be yet, but I'm working hard to like work way farther backwards and to mm-hmm. start creating the launch content way farther in advance. So I worked with my VA during this launch to build out the ideal timeline and try to get a really clear list of all of the tasks that go into it. You know, the little things that you forget, oh, I need to actually update my application. It's basically the same, but you know, I have to tweak like the date and all those little things that you just forget about and they add up. Mm -hmm. So really trying to work backwards in a timeline Mm-hmm. And getting that to be a template that essentially we can kind of just rotate through. I go through. Yeah. Do you have a piece of advice that you would give to creatives, maybe who are in more of that business to client like service that do still go through like really busy seasons? So I personally know as a wedding photographer, we have our busier seasons. Mm-hmm. I know even like client gift box services, like they get super, super busy around the holidays. Do you, so do you have a piece of advice that you give? to your clients when they're going through that like kind of crazy season. Yeah. So I would say one of the main things I encourage my clients to do is to set boundaries for that season Mm. when you're not in it. Mm -hmm. So when you're in it, it's really hard, I think, to remove yourself from the emotion of it. Yeah. And, and you just don't make as great of decisions when you're in the middle of that. Yeah. So I encourage them to have some like intentional time where they really look at what happened. So say it's, yeah, a gift, a gifting company and it's the holidays, let's say January after they get a little bit of rest. (laughs) I think that's good to give it a little break and then come back to it and say, okay, what could, what could have changed or what could we do differently? Do we need more people? Do we actually just need to accept less quantities? Like Mm -hmm. I think something people don't talk about enough is we probably really need to limit the quantity of our services or offerings that Mm -hmm. we're accepting and, and doing that based on our life, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not just based on the money. Yes. The money is very important and you need to also make sure that's going to work out, but really, really making the decision ahead of time. This is our cap with this many people on our team. We can only handle this many boxes. And so in order to accept more, we're going to have to hire somebody. And then what do our prices need to be to allow for that? So it it all kind of works together, but I think the biggest kicker is making those decisions and doing that research outside of the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And that's something that I've 
had to definitely work on as a wedding photographer over the years of figuring out what my personal capacity from like a physical and emotional standpoint to serve each one of my couples Mm -hmm. as best as I can. And it was really interesting because I learned very early on that I do not do well with a high volume of weddings. I just personally don't. And so it was always kind of the game of figuring out okay, how many weddings a year would feel ideal for me? And okay, if that's Mm -hmm. the case, then we're going to work on, you know, raising our prices incrementally as we go so that we're not sacrificing Mm -hmm. like the money part of that. So I do think it's kind of like a yin and a yang, but you don't have to necessarily sacrifice one for the other if you're able to kind of like intentionally think through it when you're not in the crazy season and you feel like you need to be accepting every single inquiry that's coming your way because that might not truly be the case. Yes. And I think when you, especially for photographers, because I work with being a photographer, I work with a lot of photographers. Mm -hmm. One of the most common things I see is getting an inquiry. And if you don't have boundaries in place, don't have things blocked off on your calendar or limits of like only this many weddings per weekend or whatever, Mm -hmm. that you're always going to want to say yes. It's always going to feel like you have to, or, Mm -hmm. oh, they just sound so great or whatever. And we just, I think it's just, again, it's really hard to see clearly in the moment. And so making those limits and, you know, are you the type of person that can handle double headers? Because not everyone should, you know, making those decisions outside of the moment, I think is a game changer. Yeah, that's huge. Can you talk through maybe one mistake that you have personally made in business that you've learned from, or you see a lot of your clients making that you kind of help coach them through? Yes. Oh man, this is, this question is not an easy one. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually kind of fun for me because I, I love, I love the story that goes with it. So (laughs) for a long, long time in my business, I didn't really manage my money. It just kind of like happened. Things, money went out and came in and Mm. just kind of happened. So I spent too much. I did my taxes wrong. I owed thousands of dollars in back taxes because of that. Mm. I got myself into tight spot after tight spot. (laughs) Um, Partially because I'm not really naturally very number savvy, Mm -hmm. but I also didn't actually do the work or seek out the education to get it under control for really just too long. So over the years, my husband is actually much better with numbers than I am. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, he helped me, we worked together to develop some systems, processes, and spreadsheets, especially Mm -hmm. that really just made sense to me and my creative brain. And then the really big kicker is when a friend of Mark's actually recommended the book Profit First. Mm -hmm. So Profit First seriously changed everything for us. And, and it honestly changes a lot of the lives of my clients. And so I just, I just love it. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) Just like the simplicity of profit first combined with the clarity and the systems that I've developed into my spreadsheets has really changed the game for me. And, and I think it's really funny and ironic that, that I, teach that now. Like I'm like <laughs> self-declared, That's literally it. allergic to numbers, girl. That's what we need, you know, yes. like someone who, who gets it and who understands yes. that. I love that. Can you walk people through like the dummies version of profit first? If they've never heard this concept before and they're like, what is that? Just a highlight of it. 
Yeah, totally. So the main idea is just separating out your money into percentages. So when money comes in, you Mm -hmm. have preset percentages that just divvies that money up into the different buckets. So there's your taxes, that one, you can't really do a whole lot about what that number is, your salary, what you're going to pay yourself, Mm -hmm. your business expenses. So anything that the business is paying for and then profit. So his, his big mindset shift is that you are setting profit aside first, instead of waiting to see how much you spend. And if there's anything left over. Like a backwards take to it kind of. Yeah. So you're making sure that you're profiting and that reigns in your spending. And I think that that is the big, it's, that's the Mm. big kicker. (laughs) And I think one of my favorite parts of the book is when he talks about how innovation really comes when you are in a tight spot or you don't Mm -hmm. have enough. And Mm -hmm. so he talks about this, um, this company who needed thought that they needed this really expensive, really big piece of equipment to do what they wanted to do well, but they couldn't afford it. And so they ended up actually inventing something that did the same thing at a much lower cost. And then that changed the game for their industry and for them. (laughs) So I think we often think that we just, we need to spend X, Y, and Z in order Mm -hmm. to do ABC. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the, the side benefit to profit first is really that you're, you have to get creative and, Mm -hmm. and innovative with your money. Yeah. I have a question for you just related to that. And maybe somebody out there will resonate. How do you make sure that you are still paying yourself like every single time and not putting all of that money towards the business. Because I know for when I was first starting out, I was funneling a lot of it back into the business, but I had to kind of consciously consciously be like, okay, you know, if I want to take this full time, I need to start consistently paying myself like through my business. But I know that that's a scary concept for a lot of people, especially when you're first starting out. Oh yeah. I really think that the profit first approach is the easiest way to do that because you set a percentage that is what's supposed to pay you and, and you're just always doing that. So if you're committed to the process, every time money comes in, you're putting some money into an account that's supposed to pay you. Okay. And what I recommend doing, especially for someone like you with the seasonal business where you're going to have months with way more money than mm-hmm. some other months, mm-hmm. the ditch that seasonal business fall into is they just pay themselves a lot more <laughs> during mm-hmm. that time and then get in a tight spot later because they mm-hmm. didn't spread it out. So I think it's really important that you pay yourself a set amount every month and make it automatic. Okay. And so that does take some some math and some mm-hmm. work that mm-hmm. my spreadsheets are like, I've really built them to help figure that out. But you, you figure out, okay, if this is what I make in a year, how much, like how much can I actually pay myself monthly and it always be the same amount? Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that's one of the biggest peace drivers, like that gives people a lot of peace mm-hmm. when they actually put that system in place and can pay themselves 
confidently and know mm-hmm. for sure that they're going to be able to pay themselves through the off season. Yeah. Throughout the year. Yeah. That's huge. Something that I know that I started doing a little bit earlier on, just because as somebody who I, I do like numbers, but I do appreciate that piece of certainty, I guess, of paying yourself every single month. I started splitting up my payments, not into just two, but I split them up into three or four so that I could yeah. know exactly like which month, you know, those needed to go in as well so that there wasn't like two or three months of like really, really high payments coming in. And then, you know, that dip of, okay, like these next two months, I have not as much coming in. I do try to pace it out throughout the year Mm -hmm. so that I'm able to consistently pay myself and don't have those highs and lows. But again, that's something that I've had to like work to figure out feels the best to me, you know? Yeah, totally. Yep. And one of one of my spreadsheets, it's probably the scariest looking spreadsheet just because it has a lot of, com- it just looks complex and you have mm-hmm. to read through my mm-hmm. explanation to understand mm-hmm. it. But it has just been a game changer for a lot of people because it, so it's, a, I call it financial snapshot. And essentially you put in the, like the months when you're expecting to bring whatever payments in and then mm-hmm. what months you're expecting to have things go out. Mm-hmm. And then it shows you with red and green, mm-hmm. which months you are in the green and mm-hmm. which months you're not. And so as a wedding photographer, especially, I think it's super helpful to be able to see that visually and know, okay, I need to make sure I either book a couple extra sessions or book a retainer during mm-hmm. this time frame mm-hmm. in order to get me through that. So it's, yeah. it's really fun to I think it's really fun as a creative who's not good at numbers to mm-hmm. then feel like you actually know what you're doing. Yeah, I have you know? I have something that sounds like it's very, very similar. And for me, it gave me a huge peace of mind because as somebody who's very visual, I can like visually see what the year is going to look like instead of what it, I think it, it's going to feel like maybe. And it's like a very clear... I even include, okay, if I'm paying for HoneyBook or like my gallery system, like for the year, I know exactly which month that's like coming out of the account from. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. I know that like this month I'm going to have to pay for HoneyBook, which is I do it on a yearly basis for me. So I'm like, okay, I'm just aware of that. Or like, okay, I have my quarterly taxes being paid in these months, you know, Mm -hmm. just the heads up. That's like a good amount of money. That's like going out just so that I know that, okay, like I can book a few more sessions during this month, you know, to compensate for that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I love that. We haven't talked about that on the podcast yet, but that is something that has like Mm -hmm. given me huge peace of mind, like throughout the past couple of years. So hopefully um, that's helpful for somebody out there who's listening to this. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, what is one kind of thing that you live by within your own business? So I think this is really going to make clear that I'm an Enneagram one, (laughs) but I, it's just deeply ingrained in me to always strive to do what is right. As a Christian with the Bible as my foundation, I just really care a lot about doing the best that I can to really focus on what's true and what's right and to live with integrity as much as, you know, I can definitely not perfect. And I make a lot of mistakes, but it's just yeah, it just really is a part of who I am to do or to do my best to do what is right above mm-hmm. what's easy, just because I believe that that's what I'm called to. So that's a huge part of every decision I make in my business. Yeah, I I love that. Do you ever find that you come across a struggle between figuring out what's right 
for you and like your family life versus your business? Or do you feel like there's always, it always makes sense and applies across both seamlessly? Oh, definitely not. (laughs) There's, yeah, I think it's, I think it comes back to deciding, okay, how does this affect my family? So even if this is maybe the best thing for a client, but it's not the best for my family, which thing do I prioritize more? And, and that's not black and white. There's a lot of situations that I have to process through with my husband and, and also choose to pray about because I think that that's really helpful. And I wish that it were easy. And this is kind of like the bane of my existence. Like <laughs> when, when something is, is it actually right versus wrong or is it good versus better? Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. a lot of gray area. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely a, not an easy, an easy task every time, but there are some times that I do feel like I have a really strong gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think as an Enneagram one, I feel that probably more than the average person, like this is what I need to do, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's still a lot of gray that I have to work through. Yeah. I do like that piece of advice though, for anyone that's kind of like caught between the two or like trying to make a really big decision. I feel like listening, like taking some time to just listen to your gut instinct is huge. And I've, I've had a few times, even like in my personal life and in my business where maybe something didn't seem like it made sense on paper, but like Mm -hmm. in my gut, I was like, I know that this is the right decision. And I mean, I won't say that it has never, ever been wrong, but it's been way more right than it has been wrong. And if it has been wrong, then there's always like a little bit of a lesson that I gained from doing something the wrong way. And it kind of like Mm -hmm. helped inform that gut feeling for the future too. Of, is this really my gut feeling or is this kind of coming out of a different part of me that's maybe mm-hmm. like more in fear or like in a different yeah. set of emotions? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that we need to give ourselves more grace in, in those times when we might not choose the best mm-hmm. or the right thing, but mm-hmm. we did our best with the information we had at the time. Like mm-hmm. hindsight mm-hmm. is always twenty twenty, but I think we would do really well to remember that at the time you only had this much information. Mm -hmm. And so you did your best with what you had to work with. Yeah. (laughs) And now you learn from it. And Mm -hmm. that is so valuable. And most of the best things we learn are from hard things. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And I do feel like, I mean, maybe you feel the same way as an Enneagram one, as an Enneagram three, I think I'm actually a four wing three, but either way, I think despite whatever Enneagram number actually you are like every, like we are all pretty hard on ourselves, especially as like business owners. So I loved what you said of, you know, like be easy on yourself about it. You did what you could with what you have. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the best that you can do. I feel like sometimes we do try to hold up like a level of perfection within our business. And that's, you know, it's not possible to keep that level 24 seven, you know, and not kind of like a burnout too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree. We could, we could talk about that all day long. <laughs> That's like a whole nother podcast episode of itself. But I wanted to hear about your, the best piece of business advice that you've been given. We were t- chatting about this a little bit before the podcast and I want everyone to listen in because I think it's a bit of an incredible story that could apply to them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just for a little 
background for everybody. As I was just kind of thinking through the potential questions that we were going to talk about, this one, I actually teared up. And who knows, maybe I'll tear up when I'm telling you. Now that I said that, I won't. But I actually think that the best advice I've been given that really does affect everything in my business actually came from my dad. And I don't know if he ever really said it outright, but he showed me by example in the way that he ran his business. So he is a construction product rep, so essentially a salesman. So you would think that that means he goes out and sells a product, but he actually instead built his business through real personal relationships and mentorship. Mm -hmm. He cared about the people that he was talking to, Mm -hmm. and he always put them and their transformation above the product that he was selling. Mm -hmm. Because he did that, he built incredible trust with his contractors and he taught them how to run their businesses to be profitable, which is not in the job description. (laughs) His job description is to sell a product, Mm -hmm. but he chose to intimately walk with them through a transformation that was supported by the product he represented. Mm -hmm. So He literally still has contractors who he's worked with for 30 plus years who are now close friends, come to him with personal issues and Mm -hmm. for business advice. And they're not just calling to measure a job or to quote Mm -hmm. the price of his product. And the proof really is in the pudding. He's been incredibly successful. He's very Mm self-made. He has been in the top three salesmen of that company for as long as I can remember, over 20 years. And it it really just, it makes me so proud and so grateful Mm -hmm. to have grown up watching that. I didn't know Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. It just seemed normal. This is what people do. (laughs) But just in the past few years, especially in business coaching, I have realized how much of just being around that and watching him build his business that way before it was cool or like Mm -hmm. a trendy Mm -hmm. strategy Mm -hmm. just has affected everything about how I do my business. And so it's just really fun to, to think back on that and, and to realize that that's, where that came from and where that perspective originated in me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that makes me think of, you know, it's funny for people or to see what people think of you as like a wedding photographer. That's the experience that I have. But then when they see you on an actual wedding day, they're like, oh, you're not just like taking photos. You're like, you know, fluffing the dress, like opening doors for people, like helping the grandma, like out of her seat. Like it, it extends so much further past just the job that you are quote unquote being paid for. And I think that that, you know, it does truly speak to a high level of service, you know, and like putting the people first and their needs first, some, not like to the detriment of doing your job well, but it just adds that little something on top of it, I would say, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I think there's so much opportunity for that in every business. And I Mm think I think it's actually really fun to try to figure out what that is for people. And and I don't think it's a bad thing if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what that would look like in my mm-hmm. business. That doesn't mean that you don't care about people. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to, to give it some time and think through it and, and hear other examples and, and let that inspire you. But I think it really comes back to really caring about your people and paying attention to them. 
Because when you listen to them, you're going to see the opportunities to serve them and, and for it to just kind of naturally come, come out of you that Mm -hmm. just builds so much trust and bank with people. Yeah. I would a hundred percent agree. I definitely feel like I almost will over not ask, but I really do ask my couples like throughout each part of the process. Hey, like what feels like scary to you? What are you excited about? What are you nervous about? Do you have any questions that are coming up? So I try to like understand their experience through everything as much as possible, especially because I have never been married myself. So I've never gone through the whole process myself. And then obviously like everyone is coming into, you know, a wedding or whatever it is that they're like looking to hire you for with like different experiences. So I think it's so helpful to like really talk to your people, ask them a lot of questions about their experience, and then try to see where you can kind of help them along the way too. Yeah, totally. And I think I love that you said that you ask them throughout and it's not just Mm -hmm. something you ask at the end, because Mm -hmm. I think that is key. People forget, (laughs) they forget how they felt. Yeah. Perfect example of like childbirth. People often forget what it actually felt like, (laughs) but really making it just a part of your workflow and your process to be consistently checking in with your clients, making sure you understand. And it doesn't have to come in the form of a formal questionnaire, you know, Mm -hmm. it can happen that way, but just actually talking to them and asking them questions that pull that out is that's something you can make a part of your process, but they're going to feel really cared for in that because you're not just doing all the things you said you would do. You're Mm -hmm. also listening and desiring to do more if that's what they need. Yeah, I wanted to take the conversation into more of the behind the scenes vibe. And so I wanted to ask you, what is one thing about your business that most people do not know? I feel like we've talked a lot about kind of like the heart behind your business and how you serve your people. But is there something that most people would not know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this might not be the like thing that a business coach should share, but I'm going to do it anyway, because (laughs) I just don't believe in secrets. And I think it really resonates with, you know, the vision behind your podcast. But so I have not reached six figures in my business, but I still consider my business to really be successful. And Mm -hmm. my salary is probably not impressive to a lot of people, but it's significant to our family and to our budget. Mm. And Currently, I'm not actually actively aspiring to six figures. Sure, Mm -hmm. I would love to get there someday Mm -hmm. if that fits with my life goals and needs at the time. And and even I think that's something that like I hope to someday be able to do that, but it's never going to be at the detriment of my life, or at least that's the hope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So instead, I am trying to be really focused on my own version and definition of success. And in this season of life, that looks like more time with my girls, less time working, more time to focus on my marriage, my community, but still in my work hours, really focusing on making a real impact on the, the people that I do have the privilege of working with. Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't matter to me that it's not a hundred people every year. Mm -hmm. but it's, oh man, I'm going to have to do math now. 
and it's like somewhere in the 10 to 15 range mm-hmm. every year. And yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of that and the, yeah. the changes that they've seen. And I still have plenty of heartache and stress as we've kind of already talked about a little bit. But when I actually take a step back and think about it, I am proud of what I've built. And it mm-hmm. doesn't matter that that doesn't involve six figures. Yeah. I feel like that's like very refreshing to hear, but also kind of in the line of what we were talking about earlier of, you know, giving each client your hundred percent and being really proud of that. And hopefully, you know, seeing that they did get that transformation that they were really looking for and that they have changed for the better after having worked with us, you know, that's truly the hope and the dream, you know? Oh yeah, totally. And I think if that is our goal, then if we can keep coming back to that, then we're going to keep working toward that. And sometimes we get distracted by things like six figures, but Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be the goal of our business. The goal is to love and serve people well, and to also support our life. And so Mm -hmm. making sure we're always coming back to those things, I think really makes a difference. Yeah. Which is not to say that there is anything wrong with going after the six figures. If it if that is, you know, what is currently working with your life too, then yep. by all means, not Absolutely. trying to like <laughs> detract and or like um, not trying to like, what is the word? Discourage anyone, yes. you know, from going after that, if that's like yes. truly yes. what you're looking for. But I do love the idea of, you know, really defining what success is going to look and feel like to you and making sure that you mm-hmm. keep that top of mind, you know, mm-hmm. first. Um, Totally. I'm all about, I'm all about scaling and doing all the things and having big dreams and chasing those and just always balancing that with, with your life and making sure that, that it really is serving your life. Kind of going along with that. Do you have one like change or one thing that you wish was different or almost like a standard quo within the industry that maybe there is not that like message out there as much as you would like it to be. Yeah, I think, and I actually, I actually might have sort of mentioned this earlier, but I think just as an industry, I would love for us to shift the culture more to assuming the best of people as opposed to like believing the worst. And so even, I think this ties into the six figure thing. Mm -hmm. So somebody who is chasing hard after six figures, I should not be judging them for that or Mm -hmm. Um, making assumptions about why they are going for six figures. The same goes for them looking at me not going for six figures. You know, Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of somewhat shaming that goes on online about how other people are doing things differently. And I think it's often subtle. So you wouldn't necessarily Mm -hmm. initially think it's shaming, but um, especially when it comes to sales, I think that, I think there's just a lot of, pressure out there to not be salesy. And I actually think it would be really helpful if we would just assume that people are just trying to run their business and, yeah. <laughs> and actually serve people and you have to sell your services, services and your products yeah. to serve people. Correct. Yeah. But we're, I think we're also afraid to sell in order to serve mm-hmm. because of all the talk about being salesy or tacky or whatever mm-hmm. the, you know, buzzword is at the time. So yeah. I think that really, really ties into the community, community over competition heart too. And if we would assume the best of people and cheer them on in practice, not just saying I'm all about community over competition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like when someone is selling and it 
and you notice that, like encouraging them, in it, them and sharing in it. Yeah. Even if it's not something you are even remotely interested in. I mean, as long as it's something you don't like disagree with. But I think that there's a lot of heart checks that we can Mm -hmm. do internally and just taking the extra two seconds to read a caption and even just like it. You know, I feel Mm -hmm. like liking on Instagram has become less of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I have tried to train my brain after I read a caption that I Mm -hmm. like to go back and like the photo because that's, it takes you out of your muscle memory Mm -hmm. to do that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But it's, we notice, we notice mm-hmm. every, and every share and every comment, every comment, yeah, they're huge. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I think just really seeing the online space as a place to connect and encourage people mm-hmm. as the like primary goal mm-hmm. and less of it being like a consumption or, you know, just grasping at business, trying to get business. And I'm saying this as yeah. someone who like, I have to actively re reposition my heart on this mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. because we stray, you know, yeah. we might know that's best and that's going to be better for people. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of noise out there that just yeah. makes us, I think, focus a lot on ourselves, but we, there's just so much joy that comes in focusing on others and lifting them up. And so just everything about the rising tide society community over competition is very deep inside of me. Yeah. And I will say like some of my best, you know, friendships from like business and stuff have been very, very virtual. And it's incredible that you can make friends with people across the country in that way. Cause that's not something that, you know, we could have done like a couple of years ago. And so I feel like when we recenter ourselves around that aspect of it, you know, I know like social media gets a bad name all the time, but it can be used for good. It's just all in how we do use it, you know? But yeah, I love, I love that you mentioned that because it really is just a good reminder of, Hey, you know, like this is a really solid way of using the platform, a way that you can act out community over competition every single day. You know, it does take a little bit of intention. If you do stray, that's also okay. You know, people have their busy seasons like we talked about, but something beautiful just to come back to, you know, time and time again. And I think you leave the app happier than if you were just kind of scrolling and consuming Mm -hmm. when you make it Mm -hmm. a point to spend that time lifting other people up. It just, it's just better for your heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's like a good little takeaway that people can kind of, you know, hopefully walk away with, start doing on a more consistent basis, hopefully, or at least be reminded of that too. So I love that little tidbit for people Mm -hmm. out there. And I wanted to kind of close out our conversation a little bit by asking about how you balance life and business and what keeps you inspired and motivated every single day. Yeah. So it's definitely ever evolving Mm -hmm. and not perfect. I really loved what Bonnie said this week. Was that this week? Where she she talked about it being more of a work-life integration as opposed to Mm -hmm. balance. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really good way to look at it because it's true. We're never actually going to experience 
true balance. I mean, it's similar to like perfection. Mm -hmm. So I'm just a strong believer that you can have a really healthy, imperfect, but good Mm -hmm. form of balance. Mm -hmm. And that's just not going to look the same for everyone. Yeah. So for me, this really comes back to the idea and strategy of that we've talked about building my business around my life. So Hmm. figuring out what I want my time to look like, what I want my budget to look like and working backwards from that in my business to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it really affects every decision that I make. I'm not just throwing spaghetti at the wall. (laughs) I have an actual target in mind. And, and that's, I think not necessarily, not necessarily the norm. Like if you, especially when you cut, when it comes to like pricing, Mm -hmm if you're going to Google how to price your services, that's not what you're going to find. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to consider a lot of things, a lot of factors like your market, but if you want balance and what I have learned is when I kind of made the decision that I needed to make balance a priority, I -hmm. had to admit that it doesn't just magically happen someday. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. something we have to be strategic about and work toward. And so it also isn't something that just happens in the snap of a finger. Yeah. Take some time. Yeah. As far as like truly what that looks like on a more detailed level, I think Mm -hmm. is similar to maybe some of what we've talked about, but actually getting into the data of the numbers and, you know, stepping back, looking at what we really want, bringing my husband into that conversation and making that vision together. Those things I think have been a big part of that for me. So I just, I just think that when you're a solopreneur or you just, you know, have a small team mm-hmm. or just the fact that when you're the, when you're the boss, <laughs> you get to make the decisions, like yeah. you get to choose what it's actually going to look like. So mm-hmm. own that and yeah. create the kind of business that actually brings you life and adds joy to your mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and not the kind of business that steals those things from you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I reminded a coaching client this week, actually, I was like, you know, you are the boss. So you do get to decide which way you want to go. You know, nobody is going to be like, oh, you should be doing this. Or if they are, you know, at the end of the day, it's your own business. So you can run it how you want to and for how or for how it's going to be best for you and your life and your current situation and season too. And last thing that I wanted to kind of get your take on or hear about from you is what do you think keeps you inspired and motivated to keep going every single day? Yeah. So as I thought about this, I really just kept coming back to people and their stories. Mm -hmm. And I think I've found that that really is what truly inspires and motivates me. So if someone is killing it and their progress is inspiring or if they're really struggling, their potential is so motivating for me. (laughs) When someone shares like the real and the raw with me, it just like lights me up. Not like I'm not, I'm not like glad they're in pain. Yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) I feel like the most me version of Mm -hmm. myself when I'm trusted to speak into their business and life. Yeah. I just, I care so stinking deeply about people that it actually kind of hurts sometimes. Like, I'm not kidding. Sometimes my stomach or chest is, oh, I just want to help you. Yeah. (laughs) So the potential to like actually be a part of that story in a way that impacts their life for the better Mm -hmm. 
really is everything for me. That's really what is inspiring and motivating and quote gets me out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. I have loved this so, so much and I'm sure our listeners will too, but if they want to follow along with you after this podcast interview, where can they find you online? Yeah. So I'm mostly, I'm just on Instagram and, and my, and my website slash email list. So my Instagram is at Val underscore Marlene underscore creative because my account was hacked. Oh no. Oh yes. I saw this a couple months ago. We're coming back, making a strong comeback here. Yes. And then my website is valmarlene.com. And I did mention my spreadsheets a lot in the conversation. So if you want those, they're free. It's valmarlene.com slash spreadsheets. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your time and your wisdom with everyone. It was so great getting to hear about your take on business and a little bit behind the scenes of your business Mm -hmm. as well. It was really fun. And it was also really, it was just really good for me to like process through some of these things. You ask great questions. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And to everyone who is listening along, we'll have the next podcast episode up next week. All right.